Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Allen Becker Investment Group and host of Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, which airs every week on Sunday mornings at 10. I've been asked by a number of different people what prompted the desire to do a show like this. And we talk to clients and people out in the community all the time, and they want to give back in some way, and some just don't know where to start. And so EIG wanted to find a way to let people know about all the great opportunities for people to get involved and volunteer, whether that's after you retire or any time, really you know, when you feel led to do so. That's really the purpose of the show. So if you're looking for a way to share your passion, to give back, to get involved with something bigger than yourself, well, this show is a great way to learn about a variety of different nonprofits. And then you can decide for yourself if you want to partner with them. We really try and mix it up so our listeners can get information on a wide variety of organizations and topics. And with over 54,000 nonprofits in the state of Wisconsin, I'm sure you can find at least one, if not many, that you can get involved with and share your talent, your wisdom, and your love, really, in, in some way. Today we'll be talking about two organizations that are having an impact in the community by sharing the love of God with men and women who are incarcerated and then walking alongside them in a mentoring role after they're released from prison so they can instill positive life skills and values for sustainable employment. You know, we are all called as believers to go out and make disciples of all nations. It's called the Great Commission. And how do we do that? Well, having a heart for people is the best place to start, I think. And teaching is a big part of that process. Who are we supposed to teach? Everyone. Anyone who's willing to listen about the forgiveness and the uncompromising love of God. So my first guests today are Ron Davis, president of Brother Bob's Outreach, and Dave Melinda, who is an active volunteer with Brother Bob. Welcome to the show today, Ron and Dave. Thank you, Jill. Good Good to be here. Good morning. We are happy to have you here. Okay, so neither of you have the name of Bob. Neither of you are called Bob. So who is Bob? How did the name come about, and how did you guys involve, get involved with the organization? Well, Brother Bob uh, was a teacher from McQuanago, and um, his life changed. He had an encounter with God, I think, when he was about 40, and he wasn't the same. He was Now he needed to know what God wanted him to do, and he, and he went to church a lot, went to Elmbrook Church, and prisons just was the thing that kind of worked for him. And he would go to prisons, and very few people seemed to be going there, talk to people in the prisons and befriending them. And, but Bob just found open doors, and he went and talked, and, um, and then other people started following him. And his, operation, his operandi, the way he did it, was to go and start a Bible study or a group and then bring you along as a volunteer and then leave you. So and then he goes someplace else and get that going and get that going and and that's how a lot of people got involved. That was back in the eighties, I think. Okay. And I got involved with with that in the in the early nineties, and um, and he did that to me. I was in the women's prison at Tachita and um, preaching there in their worship service, and then he kind of disappeared and said, "Well, you come back next week." Because I'm not. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So, yeah, that's how that's how he got going. And it's been going since. Now, Bob has died about five years ago. What he did, he filmed up Wisconsin pretty much and then went to the Philippines and married a Filipino girl there 
and lived in the Philippines for the last seven, eight years of his life and went in the prisons in the Philippines. Mm. Totally different situation. Ten people, 30 people crammed in a room. We're in a room about 10 by 10. There might be 20 people in a room like that in, in the Philippines. So he'd go in there and, and talk with them and bring a medication that was shipped over from the U.S. and just befriend them, um, open the scriptures, read the Bible, and, um, and they would, you know, it, and, and people would love the attention, the respect he was giving them, and the gospel. He was, give, he was giving, telling them about Jesus, the love of God, how he loved each one of them, and, you know, it, and it, was, it was wonderful. You now, he, a, he died, and his wife kept going. She's still okay. going today. Okay. Well, you got to think that if doors are opening, it's the right thing to do. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, we all talk about yeah. giving us, you know, look, God, give us the memo so we know what it is yeah. we're supposed to <laughs> sure. be doing. And uh, right. I think once doors open for you and it becomes uh, an easy thing, not that it always is, yeah. but I think if things are falling in line, right. it kind yeah. of uh, supports the fact that you're right. you're doing what God wants you to Indeed. do. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. Dave, how did you get involved? So I can remember it as it was yesterday, and it was around uh, 2000. I was playing softball uh, at one of Elmbrook's um, events, and somebody came up to me and said, do you like softball? I'm like, yeah, I play in it, Okay. <laughs> And uh, he said, have you ever considered coming in to play softball in prison? And I said, no. I didn't do anything. (laughs) Might not leave, so I'd really rather not. And I said, no, I don't know anything about it. Tell me more. And um, Dave Dursey was his name, awesome guy. And he filled me in on it, and I was scared to death. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what, Um, to to how you started this whole thing, Jill, is we want to give back, but we don't know how. So for me, I said, I'll sure try. Don't know what I'm getting myself into. Have no clue. Um, You know, scared to death. And so I jumped into it. And uh, we went in to the prison and played softball against prisoners. And it's so funny because even we do it to this day. Uh, we, we spend our summers doing this. And it's fun to be able to tell people. They say, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to prison to play softball. <laughs> and they laugh, but yet, you know, that's that's what we do. And and so I'm kind of uh, came at it differently. My goal wasn't to um walk in there and share anything with anybody. It was probably selfish because I loved playing softball and Dave mm-hmm. said, "Isn't this awesome to be able to serve and do something that you love?" Mm. So it was really simple to start with and that really is how I kind of built this and then um, you know, the story goes on from there, but that was the first time. And I, I have to say, I probably didn't sleep very well the night before my family was like, what are you doing? Um, you know, so it, it started out odd, but it ended up fantastic. So, and really you're just building relationships, right? You know, you're building, you're making friends. I think you had mentioned uh, when we talked before that it's giving respect to someone who has failed because we ourselves have experienced God's grace and forgiveness. And I think what a great way, what a beautiful way of, of saying how you're reaching out and touching people. So you're saying that the method of teaching is through a Bible study ministry within the prison system? Yeah, yeah. It's built around the Bible. I mean, what, what do I have to say to a fellow from the city or anywhere else? But, you know, you've got the scriptures, you've got the Bible, you, and there's some authority in that. And you can look at it, and the points of discussion. I, I, was, I remember I, I said to a fellow the other day that, you know, the authorities, the Department of Correction, is a God-given institution. And he said, what? 
the Department of Correction is God-given. I said, yeah, that authority keeps you safe. It keeps you in here. Mm. It's God's order. That, and he couldn't believe that. And, but it's in the Bible. Mm. And that was a point of discussion. And so discussion, can this be what God says? Is this what God How does God make us right with himself? What is God thinking about that? Mm-hmm. So we talk that out. It's conversation, people talking, discussion. Mm-hmm. Looking at the scriptures and saying, what does that mean? And how is that going to change me? Mm. What do I have to do if that's true? And what I like about it is I've been in this situation a number of times myself in teaching and uh, leading Bible studies is they're not my words. I mean, th- yes, this is what sure. I believe, but it's not what I said. Yeah. This is documented in what Christ himself said or God yeah. said. Right. Um, and we're just following sure. what's, what's been written. Yeah. Um, so, so you work with the Department of Corrections all over the state? Mm-hmm, pretty much, yeah. Um, up to Red Granite and New Lisbon. We're not in Green Bay area. Uh, there's plenty of good prison ministries up there already. Okay. But wherever the doors open. So it's southeastern Wisconsin and, and beyond. Okay. And uh, you had mentioned prior to uh, a little bit ago that um, Brother Bob had taken it uh, to have a global reach, yeah. that he's out in the Philippines. But when did you say he passed away? About five years ago. Okay. And his wife, who he married or met in the Philippines, continues Still with there. that ministry? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't go there for softball, though. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So we stay in Wisconsin. But. And is it just men's softball or women's softball? Because I Whoa. played softball for a number, number uh-huh. of years, and okay. I'm wondering if that's yeah. open to women as well. We should talk. <laughs> They've had uh, groups into Tachita, into the okay. women's facility before, absolutely, for not only softball, but for volleyball as well. So oh, really? there are a okay. variety of different things. and. You know, you guys talk about the words, and it's interesting because long before anybody really has had much exposure to those words, they've had exposure to somebody's actions. And so part of our goal is to go in there and come alongside with right next to these guys. And, you know, when I would lead the group in, you know, I told the, the prisoners, we're no different than you. The only difference is you got caught. You know, so we have the same struggles, we have the same issues in a different environment. Um, so our goal is to just really let them know that somebody matters to them. Right. Yeah. And and there's plenty of times where these guys that this this can really affect their life in a positive way. So I'm sure. So the sure. words and the actions both yeah. combine to a very powerful outcome. Absolutely. And again, you're just showing them love. You're no, like yeah. you said, you're letting them know that we see you Correct. and you matter. Yeah. And you can make a difference. Some of the most of the guys locked up are alone. Mm. It's difficult to make friends in that environment because there's vulnerabilities. So to to have somebody coming in with respect and uh, taking the time to 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 show a person that they matter and that they really do, and you want to know them and yeah. enjoy them, yeah. And uh, that's an honoring thing, and and that's the bridge, the respect mutually, and now. Uh, now you can have a conversation. Yeah, and think about how that changes their lives going forward. You know, if nobody has chosen to to visit them or walk alongside them or develop a relationship with them, really, mm-hmm. um, it can go south. You know, sure. their lives can go south pretty quickly. I know you said some some of these individuals are in there for a life, forever. Yeah, yeah. and well, so you know, for life anyway. Yeah, I mean, you just want to make a difference in some way sure. and then that 
again, can have a domino effect. You know, they themselves can change and yeah. potentially change someone else, too. Well, you're going to have hope. You know, why would you get up in the morning? Right. You're going to have something good to live for, something meaningful. Yeah, and, and the expectation that life can actually get better. You know, if this is as good as it gets, that can be a very depressing thing. I, I had a friend who was a 30-year inmate, and I asked him, how many people in the institutions are depressed? And he said, all of them. Mm. So there's that life that you're in within the walls. One fellow told me, I've never seen a tree. I haven't seen the bottom of a tree for 20 years because there's always been walls there. You can oh. see the top of oh, the wall. Oh, okay, okay. So you, you can't see a sunset hardly. Mm. So you're in that institution, and you're very limited, and you need you need meaning. Yeah, yeah, and you guys give it. That's wonderful. Well, volunteers are so important to any nonprofit organization. Many of them just they couldn't do what they do without them, right? So stay tuned to hear about four distinct areas where you can get involved with Bob's uh, Brother Bob's outreach, both inside and outside the prison walls. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm sitting here talking with Ron Davis, president of Brother Bob's Outreach, and Dave Melinda, who is a visitor, uh, excuse me, a volunteer and a visitor, actually, (laughs) right? Combination Uh, of both. You don't want to stay there the night, that's for sure. (laughs) You're visiting and playing softball there. Uh, We talked about how important uh, volunteers are to almost all the nonprofit organizations. You need them, right, to show up. You need them to give their time, to listen, to teach, if that's appropriate. Um, So different opportunities exist to get involved with Brother Bob's, and with some of them, you don't actually have to go to the prison. So, Ron, can you actually uh, elaborate a little bit here on on ways that people can offer support, both inside and outside the walls? Okay, well, inside, there's visitors. Um, We've got a lot of people that would love a friend who would actually come and visit them, get to know them, and just befriend them, talk about life, what's going on, and... um, that would be wonderful. N- many, many people have nobody. Mm-hmm. So for a visitor, that's a big event. Okay. For when a visitor shows up, wow, that's big. Um, then there's preaching and teaching. Um, someone who loves to preach, loves to teach, and wants to get kind of on the front line where there are people who don't know anything who are coming and people who know everything of all persuasions who are going to come and talk within a Christian environment, you know, they're signed up as kind of like a Protestant. So they're shining up like that, but they've got all denominational backgrounds. And now you would manage a Bible study or preach in that group. Worship, worship's fantastic in prison. Mm. Oh, I imagine. It's great. And it's multi-ethnic, which is, you know, lively. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And English people need lively people around them (laughs) because we're kind of flat. But but that environment of... uh, that worship is fabulous. Okay. And training. Do they get training then? Oh, if someone yeah. comes in and says, sure. I don't know what I'm doing. No. You know? Yeah. And you're going to get comfortable within that environment. So you'd ride along with somebody for a while okay. until you're ready. Okay. And then, so those are inside the walls. The weekly yeah. Bible studies, weekly worship, one-on-one discipleship. Those are all um, ways that people can offer support inside the walls. What about outside the walls? Well, we, we have a list right now of 150 inmates that want somebody to write to them. Okay. And that would begin a relationship by mail. And uh, it's kind of a mentoring, spiritual relationship, encouragement in the faith. Um, that We don't want to get outside of that. So we've got 
uh, in training about how to develop that relationship without getting in discussions that you shouldn't get into. Oh, okay, okay. You know, like some guys looking for a girlfriend. We don't want to get oh, into that. Okay. Sure. But you want the encouragement of saying, "Yeah, it's gonna. You can do this. You can trust the Lord. You can." You know, those kind of encouraging as you share life together. Okay. So 150 people to write letters would be wonderful. Take one, take two. You know, you can be in your home. We'll tell you what to do, and it's all anonymous, so people don't know you. Oh. You you go through our filter. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so you won't get a visitor. And then you have something called Correspondence Bible Study? We do, yeah. That's for the inmate where um, uh, the inmate would fill out a, a Bible study, send it out, and a volunteer would check it over, put some encouraging notes, direction on it, send it back, and that would go backwards and forwards. Okay. Now, the other thing anybody can do, you know, we talk about inside the walls, you defined some areas, and now we're defining outside the walls. But this last one doesn't cost a thing, and can t- you can take as long as you want to uh, in doing it, and that is uh, being a prayer warrior. Oh, yeah. You want to elaborate on that? Sure. We'll send you a list and um, get to it, get praying, you know. Um, as if you were in there yourself, locked up, not coming out. That's your world in there. And you live in a room with another person, which is about 12 foot by 6 feet, and you're in there for maybe a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And um, so put yourself in that environment and now pray for somebody. We'd introduce you to a few people. that We've got particular needs of people. And um, it's dark in there, yeah. and they need light. Yeah, where two or more are gathered, right? Yeah, then, sure. You know, anybody again can pray, and more people praying, the uh, yeah, the greater the outcome. Absolutely, hopefully, right, right. Yeah, and then um, this I find interesting. There's a sports ministry. So, Dave, why don't you sure. talk to us about that? What is um, if sports is your thing? Yes, and you want to give back somehow, some way. What are the opportunities there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I think Brother Bob's is the only. Um, ministry that I'm aware of because every time we come in, they are so looking forward to us being there. Um, it's humbling to think when somebody comes up to you and says, you realize this is the highlight of my year. Mm. I mean, this for me, sometimes in being completely vulnerable, sometimes it's an interruption in my week, mm-hmm. you know, to commit a whole Sunday or a whole mm-hmm. Saturday, you know, sometimes that's not the place I want to be, but it's the place I need to be. So sure. when they come and say, this is the highlight of my year. Yeah. I look forward to this all year for you guys coming in here. That just, if that doesn't affect you, then, right. you know, not, right. not sure what will. But we have softball, they have soccer, they have um, basketball, and then they have volleyball. And again, women as well as men? Uh, in some all those areas, some of each, but primarily our focus yeah. has been men. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, and Tachita has some groups that go in, but. Um, we have regular, we have regular groups that go in and you can go as many times as you want. You can try it. I've had the distinct pleasure of going in with my son. So that's been awesome to expose him to that. Um, very much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's been awesome. But the, the goal again is really, it's pretty simple to just let somebody know that you matter Yeah. because to Ron's point without that hope. I mean, what's left? And right. so um, these guys, they, they meticulously grade the fields. They are practiced and ready, and they've been looking forward to this for months. Mm, and so, wonderful. you know, that we love that. And they, they treat us, actually, with more respect. I play in prisons and out of prisons. We get more <laughs> respect in the prisons than we do in the prison or than out, you know, sure. because they just right. they realize it's a privilege. Mm. Yeah. 
And um, but it's fun to watch the new people that have never played softball before in prison because they have no clue what to expect. So it's, is it, it's, it's nothing like, like the longest yard, is it? I mean, you know, I think <laughs> the movie The Longest Yard, where they go in and play football, and you've got the prison guards against the inmates. No, I but mean, I mean, there's it can get gar- pretty violent. Uh, but yeah. I mean, we, it's <laughs> depending on where it is. I mean, there are certain institutions that we only play the ten guys that we're playing, and then there's others where there's hundreds of people watching. Oh yeah, okay. and usually the hundreds of people. They're not all for Brother Bob, so you know, oh, okay. you're in hostile territory. So, uh, you know, so be prepared. Exactly, right. yeah. and they'll pay for our shirt because they know if I, they get the, my shirt, they get to leave. So, well, Ron, how do you measure success then? Well, I measure it in terms of the look on a person's face when they when their face turns from downward trend to upward trend, mm. and there's um, a joy in their voice, a light in their eye. I measure it that way. I've seen people come out of segregation after being in there for three months with a Bible, and they've got a light on their face. Mm. And I know God's been busy doing good work. And I see it in terms of peace within the institutions. Like One fellow told me that uh, when the worship services stops, the fights began. So there's a... there's A A peace and calm. A peace and calm comes into the situation. And, um, yeah, and it's influential. One person who finds peace with God and then they're influential to I don't know how many what is it much we say a dozen I don't know but there's an influence in fact there's a whole movement to create field mentors you train them up in their faith and then send them out into the other places of the institutions mm. yeah That's some guys great. are earning a, a, a bachelor's degree in uh, religion oh very in Christianity, good in theology and and they're gonna they're learning that in order to become influential to other people they're going to have a little great commission within the walls you know their own little great commission so there's so much uh to learn about brother bob's outreach and we can't get to everything of course but if somebody wants to learn more where would they go brother bob's outreach.org be yeah search that brother bob's out there's a website there with a place that you can contact us you can contact uh dave for sports i mean our sports group or um you know, let us know what you're looking for, okay. and we'll get with you and work it out. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Ron, for all you do, and you. countless others like Dave, who show the love of God within the walls of prisons around the state. So thank you both Thanks, for being here. Thank yeah. you. What about after an inmate is released? What happens then? Uh, a statistic I find very interesting is that there are more than 50% of incarcerated individuals in Wisconsin who identify themselves as Christians, and more than 5,000 of them will be released back into society in the next two years. Who will help them? How they're received back into society has a significant impact on the trajectory of their lives for obvious reasons. So stay tuned to hear about an organization that's there to walk alongside them and help them acclimate and become a productive member of society. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guests are Nick Ringer, who is the CEO of the Community Warehouse and Partners in Hope, 
and Dave Melinda, who is a business coach, has been for the past seven years with an organization called Positive Polarity. He's actually going to stick around because he volunteers for Community Warehouse as well. So he was uh, was with us in the first segment, and he's sticking around for uh, uh, giving us an, a different perspective Does as a volunteer. Does my pay go up? <laughs> Do I get paid double for this? This is awesome. <laughs> well, thank you both for being here today. Thank you, Jill, thank for you, having thank us. Thank you. You are welcome. So Partners in Hope, we'll start with that. That is an 18-month prisoner reentry program, right? So Correct. how did that get started, and, and why did you get involved with it? Uh, well, I got involved with it uh, a few years ago. I was contacted by the federal prosecutor's office, and they have a federal reentry program. And as it was going on, they uh, were never able to get their mentoring program up and going. And so they came to us and they said, every time we talk about mentoring in the city of Milwaukee, Community Warehouse partner was Partners in Hope didn't exist then. They came to us and said, how do you do that? And would you become a hub for mentoring? And that put us on a pursuit of finding best practices. And so we went around the country, found a really good program out in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we just basically knocked it off and brought it and put it in Milwaukee terms. And okay. that's where it came from. And so the organization is the Community Warehouse, and then Partners in Hope is kind of like a division of that, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Community Warehouse has been around for a number of years, but over the past years, we've employed people with a lot of background challenges, many who've been incarcerated, many who've been homeless. And so it was just a natural outflow of what we were already doing. It just formalized uh, that, that part of our ministry. And then you guys work together both in employing the individuals you said, and then um, part, help us to understand more of, of who the community warehouse is or what they do in particular as compared to Partners in Hope. Sure. Uh, community Warehouse is a nonprofit faith-based group that uh, procures a variety of home improvement products, and we have three locations around the city uh, designed to uh, bring uh, better housing, better uh, housing conditions for those who live in the inner city, um, we have everything from sinks to faucets to uh, siding, flooring, all kinds, and we sell those to the inner city, and uh, those funds allow us to employ more people. Okay. And out of that, uh, we also take the Partners in Hope, which is the reentry, and has a place to for these guys to land with their jobs. So they come through a training program, they come straight to work at Community Warehouse, and as they improve their lives, their skills, they graduate out to better employment. So that's how, how they work together. Correct. Okay, that's nice. So how did you come to the organization specifically? Um, about five years ago, I was a uh, president of a Bible college in Alaska. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, and for whatever reason... You like uh, the weather here, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Nice. The weather was similar. Yeah. We decided, <laughs> no, not at all. Um and uh, the, the door was kind of closing for my work there, and I uh, weren't quite sure what to do next. And at that time, identically at that time, uh, our youngest daughter had had a, a grandbaby here in the city, and we were kind of deciding what to do. And so we decided, let's go to Milwaukee. Had no job in mind. I thought it couldn't be hard to get, find a job. And uh, about five months later, I was unemployed still. Okay. And uh, one job came to the surface. One job offer, and the only one was community warehouse. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, that's where God wanted you to be. Then, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I wouldn't have guessed that that's what I was fit for. I'm a farm boy uh, from Indiana, and um, 
you know, rural Alaska Bible college professor and teacher, and the, the city works great for me mm. for some reason. Well, and they say God prepares us for the things that he leads yeah. us to, right? Precisely. So, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So both Partners in Hope and the Community Warehouse are faith-based organizations, obviously. Correct. Um, so how is the faith component integrated into the system? or into the, the programs that you offer? Right. Um, well, we have very specific means uh, that we, we uh, personally, we just live out our faith day in and day out. Uh, people who come to work for us have a myriad of, of barriers in life and struggles, and many times they don't know where to go and how to process those. And so much of our work is almost pastoral in a sense. We're, we're walking through their lives with them as they're employed, so we get to do that on the job, day in and day out. So that's a, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work in the sense that they don't know where to go. So we integrate our faith right at the workplace. Uh, we also do weekly Bible studies with all of our employees. Uh, they're, they're invited to join us in that. And we just make it uh, evident that it's part of our DNA. You're, okay. you're going to get the faith component if you're around us very long. And so they've just embraced that, and that's been really encouraging. It's not mandatory, though, right? It's they, not mandatory, I mean, no. If they choose to participate, they can. They Correct. And the okay. majority of them do. Only a few choose not to, but, okay. and that's fine. So Sure, sure. Dave, I think yes. with your um, your coaching background, this mm-hmm. is a nice fit for sure. your um, the volunteering that you do. Sure. Why don't you share with us what what you do from a volunteer perspective well so if you go backwards a little bit it's interesting because i my passion had been in the construction industry so i got on the board of directors uh, years ago because it was to to nick's point taking um you know uh, construction products and reusing them most of them new and they were repurposing them to the to this you know inner city area so so that was the focus at the beginning and it just kind of grew from there there was always a passion to have more people work there and so i think that's where the partners in hope really blossom so for me now you know i i I mentor um an individual i work with um uh they have a week-long training, and so they have these different modules. So, I mean, we take simple things that, like listening skills or communication skills that we struggle in the workplace every day. I mean, I train professionally um, companies that think that they communicate but struggle, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just compounded at a different level because, as we talked about in our last segment, being incarcerated, you know, you create a whole new world for yourself, and then you get out and it's completely different. So Nick and his group do a great job of helping people integrate back into that. Um, and that's really what, what, what I spend most of my time is, is helping somebody and mentoring people that realistically are a lot of times just left to themselves. Hmm. And it's more of those soft skills. You know, it's it's one thing to, right. tr- to teach somebody a trade or to, you know, give them uh, educated or right. trained in a skill, right. but yep. to to teach or to mentor on the soft skills side, probably Correct. not done all that often, I would no, imagine. No, and, and I mean, you can teach somebody to weld. You can teach them. We've taught people to build cabinets. We've taught people to build crates. I mean, we've taught people a lot of hard skills. Mm-hmm. But then if they leave and can't communicate effectively at home or on the job, right. that whole thing falls apart. 
Yeah. I mean, 85% of our success in life is due to how well we communicate. Yeah. So that's a real important piece to this whole component. So. And you're, you're teaching them or training them or helping them understand how to be, to be a productive member of society. And that part Correct. of that is, yep. or a lot of that actually is on the soft skills side. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's great that you, that you uh, mentor in that capacity. Sure. Absolutely. Love it. Um, so what is the process and the intended outcome of the Partners in Hope program? Uh, process in um, the intended outcome is um, to one bring uh, particularly men and women in who have been incarcerated um, and are looking for an option to do something else to find a job to uh, find a way out if you will and there and so what we do is we we vet them we go and we do it uh, to kind of see what risk assessment they are are they a high risk or is there a chance of violence we want to make sure that we're not endangering anyone at the same time sure yeah and then we we bring them into a one week prevocational workshop it's just a 40 hour week where we go in it's like you show up at 9 and you work all day and we we train them in all the soft skills we train them on things like responsibility for fatherhood we talk about um, how to dress for interviews, how to do those pieces. And we bring in, and that's our part of our pieces where we're very collaborative, is we bring a bunch of different groups in to send their best people, and they come in and they present to the individuals. And uh, one, it breaks up the day for them, but sure. also brings in some really good people. Some people come in from, say, for instance, banking, and say, um, did you realize that you can actually start open a bank account? We have men who have actually stated they didn't realize that they could go into a bank. They thought banks were only for wealthy people. Mm. And so consequently, they take their check, they go to the check cashing place, and it costs them money every time. They didn't know they could do something different. So one week, pre-vocational workshop. Next week, we start placing them in jobs. And to date, everybody who's come through the program, we've gotten everybody a job. Oh, wow. So that's, that's wonderful. So that's really encouraging, 100% job placement. Yeah. And, uh, and a number of them have graduated up into really good jobs and so that's really uh, encouraging that's wonderful that's wonderful and dave i know yes. for for our organization you did the disc profile correct um i think that would be kind of interesting to to do some kind of presentation on that so that these um uh, individuals that are coming out of incarceration can kind of better understand maybe where they would fit vocationally sure. absolutely you know i think that might be uh you know, well, another, uh, yeah, another fun thing to, to, uh, to look into. Businesses as a whole need to increase their self-awareness. And it, nowhere better does it start when somebody... I look at this as a fresh start. I look at a clean piece of paper. Somebody gets out. They've paid their debt. They've done what they need to do. Mm -hmm. They have this opportunity to change their whole life, change the world, change their family. And you have to start somewhere. Right. And so the more aware that I am or they are of themselves... Um, you know, that's a, that's an easy business, uh, philosophy to lose is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And so that and blind spots, you know, mm -hmm. we all have blind spots, some more than others. And so our goal is to spend time, you know, in that 40 hours that Nick alluded to is helping people with those. Absolutely. Well, we talk about how important it is for nonprofits to collaborate not only with each other, but with other outside organizations like Dave, uh, Dave's organization. Um, stay tuned to hear why Partners in Hope has such a strong collaborative partnership with law enforcement and with business communities around the state. We will be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. 
with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm chatting with Nick Ringer and Dave Melinda, representing Partners in Hope and the Community Warehouse. So I said before, we all understand how important it is to build trust in a relationship that you're trying to nurture, and a big part of that is understanding what each relationship needs, right? So tell us how you're working with law enforcement and the business community to build trusting relationships. Uh, Building trusting relationships with uh, the partnerships that we have, law enforcement particularly, uh, what we started to realize that um, particularly the men and women coming out of prison had had this caricature that law enforcement was out to get them. Mm. And uh, consequently, they had this war in their mind that was going on. And what we started to do is realize that uh, there are so many law enforcement officers that agonize over the fact that they have to go lock people up on a regular basis as their job, and they didn't want that to be the answer. So what we started to do is gather out of everything from the MPD and Sheriff's Department, the FBI, prosecutor's office, corrections, parole and probation, all of these places, and started to find that God had strategically placed people who so cared about people not going back to prison that they started to come around us and we started to engage these relationships. And now I've got, I've got, literally, I've got FBI agents that are mentors for ex-cons who are helping huh. them come back and be successful in life. And What an unusual relationship, but how wonderful that is to just show a different side, you know, that there doesn't is. have to be this fear or we have an negativity. Ev- we have an ev- uh, a thing in our one-week pre-vocational workshop for a couple of hours where we bring about a dozen law enforcement officers and we all sit down at the table with a, our whole cohort of men and women coming out of prison and law enforcement gets to kind of share their perspective and the, the hardships, the reality of their own lives. And you can just see the minds opening and realizing And one guy stated, uh, a former prisoner said, I didn't realize that they were actually people and had mm. real issues in life. And yeah. for the first time, I'm seeing them as human. And there was that that alchemy, you know, where we were taking all this, this ugly stuff and out of it was coming this profound change of reconciliation and respect. Mm. And uh, so, you know, the idea of collaboration is great so we get more done. But at the same time, what's happening is we're finding things that lives are being changed on both sides by doing so. And what about with the business community as well? I mean, do you have businesses come in? Uh, I know you talked about business coming in and giving um, presentations to the the people who were previously incarcerated, but are you working with business, the business community in a capacity that would lead to employment opportunities then? Absolutely. Actually, it's a great time to be looking for work in the area. I mean, I just uh, got a phone call from an organization out of Madison. They've got manufacturing opportunities that were we're paying almost fifty thousand dollars a year, and nice. they were they were asking us if we had any ex cons who would come out there and go to work, relocate to Madison. And there's uh-huh. so many jobs that um, it's a wide open world right now for those who are looking. You're saying, let me put together a list, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. got a number of people yeah. that I can send your way. Um, well, we love success stories. So walk us through what success looks like for a person in the Partners in Hope program who has recently re-entered society. Uh, one, one success story would be uh, one gentleman, his name is Mike. Uh, he came to the to our pre-vocational workshop and was really 
uh, tentative about it. Didn't know if he wanted it to stay. Didn't know. And so I was chatting with him. I said, well, what's your dream? What's your dream job? And he said, he says, if I could get my CDL and drive truck, I would be living the dream. And I laughed a little bit, and I reached in my wallet. To each I, his own, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I reached in my wallet. I, I have my CDL from years oh, ago. Okay. I've never given it up because <laughs> once I had it, I'm like, I said, if I can do it, I know you can do it. And so he was like, really? And so w- over the next week or two, we coached him, coached him, coached him. He took his exam, and he passed. And with, in 24 hours, he had three job offers oh, wow. to drive truck here in the city. And so I hear that that's an area that they're really hurting in. It Big really time. is. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right. And so there's opportunities for them to get training, to get CDL. Um, they'll teach them. They'll help them with the tests. And the companies out there will even help them take, you know, go in the truck, put them with somebody else, coach them, teach them how to drive, teach them how to do the routes and so on and so forth. Um, and there's a real career in that. I mean, people can make a real living wage driving truck. The other thing we find advantage is they don't they lack the social skills, like mm-hmm. you were saying, Dave. Right. But driving a truck, you don't have a boss over your shoulder. You don't have people feeding in and overloading your, your social abilities all the time. and allows you just some process time. Right. And so we're finding that is a potentially a very, very positive place for people to reenter without all the pressures of an intense workplace. Yeah, and I think kudos should go out to the businesses, too, that are willing to step forward and say, we will work with this uh, group of individuals. Because I imagine you run into some organizations that, that don't want to. Sure. Um, so There's I, definitely a stigma there. Yeah. And part of our goal is to help people understand. Again, like we talked about last time, the only difference between us and the people that we play softball with from the previous time is that you got caught, you know, so there is no difference. They just um, have had a tougher time with it. So our goal is to help people in the business community understand that, that, you know, they're awesome workers. Some of them need more help than others. Right. Everybody needs coaching. Mm-hmm. So sure. if Michael Jordan needed coaching, yeah, yeah, okay, then it's safe to say everybody needs coaching. So that's that's the cool part where we come in and really provide that. And and also everybody deserves respect, right? You mm-hmm. know, the uh, Ron, uh, when we had talked before the interview, was saying that um, Brother Bob's outreach gives respect to someone who has failed because we ourselves have experienced God's grace and forgiveness. And mm-hmm. so what what a great message to these um, ex-cons who are saying, who are thinking maybe that their life is over and that nobody's going to give them a chance. And here, you know, you guys come along, uh, businesses come along, law enforcement comes alongside them and says, you know, again, we're here to help you. You know, we want to help you in whatever way we can. And we try and focus on the X part rather than the con part, mm-hmm. right? I mean, okay, just yeah. because you did it once doesn't mean you have to do it again. And sure. that's for anybody. I mean, yeah. Again. And if you send that message, it's Correct. more likely yep. to happen. You know, if someone right. comes out and everybody's just in their face about all the things that they've done wrong, right. maybe that is more of a reason to... Uh, recommit a crime or, you know, I don't know what the statistics are around that, but I imagine any kind of edification, any kind of positivity mm-hmm. is good. It's good for anybody, yeah, right? Absolutely. You know, especially yep. for somebody coming out of incarceration. Right, for sure. Um, so if I were to ask you, Nick, what is your greatest need right now? What would you, what would you say that would be? Our, our greatest need right now is uh, just for us to, we need to keep expanding capacity. I, I just, before I came here was at the house of correction and we're, 
I'm uh, going to start a new cohort. Uh, we need seven men from the House of Correction, and, and 14 showed up. And to, to look in the faces of these men and saying, I can only take seven of you. Oh, that's and a nice position to be in, though, as opposed it, to reverse. It is, but it, it's heart-wrenching because each of them want that opportunity. Oh, sure. and They to, want to make a difference. And so to be able to say what we would love to do is, is we would love to expand our capacity and take as many as possible um, and, and keep keep them coming back, giving them and I realized as we were doing this that, you know, anything we can give them um, is better than what they've had. Sure. And so, and so success, what it really looks like in many times is one day that they're not locked up, every day that they're not locked up is a success to the community. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is just to extend that, to, to, to keep building on their successes a little at a time. And as many as we can get done, we'll do that. And to help them become, again, a productive member of society. Precisely. And to, to give back themselves in some, in some way. Precisely. Yeah. Um, well, again, as, as always, you know, we don't have enough time to go into all the things that we want to go into. We're hoping to just plant a little mustard seed here so that people will find what we're talking about to be uh, interesting. And, and those that want further information can reach out. How would somebody uh, reach out to uh, the, com- the community um, warehouse or uh, Partners in Hope? Would they go to a website? Do you have phone numbers? Um, uh, we do have a website, um, which is uh, www.thecommunitywarehouse.org. Or you could stop by any of our three locations around the city. And, and we have information at each of those locations that people will help them with there. Um, and we have a series of people who help if they would like to volunteer as well. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Nick and Dave, for helping us understand, first of all, the need that's out in the community, and secondly, how you're providing help and support. So thank you for being here today. And thanks to Ellen Becker for uh, putting this on. This is awesome. Yes, you thank welcome. you, Jill. You're absolutely welcome. Um, if you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. There are a few ways to listen to the show. You can either tune in on the AM dial, you can download the iHeartRadio app, or you can ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. Also, if you've missed a show or you want to listen to one over again, you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com or you can listen to podcasts on demand uh, at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people, great organizations that are making a difference in our community. Share your talents and your treasures with someone, and I guarantee you'll be blessed because of your willingness to share your passion. Go out and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.